welcome to the Every Woman podcast. I'm your host, Anna, and every month we'll be bringing you the stories, insights, and opinions of inspiring people in business on a wide range of topics, asking the questions you want the answers to, and doubtless prompting some more in the process. talking to Poppy Jaman, who has spent the last decade raising the profile and challenging taboos of mental health, first through the Mental Health First Aid and then through the City Mental Health Alliance. Poppy is on a mission to change the conversation of mental well-being in the workplace, and we're delighted to speak to her today and welcome to the studio. Welcome, Poppy. Hello. Thank you. So let's start with a, a context question. How did you come to focus on mental health in the workplace and in the city in particular? Um, I think there were probably two drivers for me, Anna. So one of them is a personal one, which I'll come to in a second. But in the city in particular, um, it was, you know, at the end of the double dip when uh, the financial crisis, we had we saw a significant rise in mental health issues and also suicide rates um, amongst men. And it was actually leaders in the city, um, in big city firms that came and had a conversation with me and and amongst themselves. They'd been talking about how to actually address this issue of mental health uh, or poor mental health stress in the city. And I came across Nigel Jones, Pete Rogers at the time, um, and we had a conversation on how we can actually create awareness, raise the profile, um, and that's how the City Mental Health Alliance was born um, six years ago now. So, yeah, out of the financial crisis, increased stress levels in the city, and there, as a result, was born the City Mental Health Alliance, which is which you know our mission is to, to create mentally healthy organisations. The, I mean, you talked about the city. Does it have a, a, a particular culture? I mean, it is a very um, a very stressful, high octane environment, which <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> obviously yeah. has its own challenges. It's interesting that they they came forward to you to say we have to do something about this. Yeah. Oh, do you know, I, it's not surprising though, is it? So you've got a lot of people that are working in the city who have been in the city for a long time. The other thing that I always sort of say at this stage is the city isn't full of um, a single type of person. You know, it's not a homogenous community. So you've got people at different levels from different backgrounds who've got different sensitivities and different awareness and different passions. And actually, there's a lot of leaders in the city who look at, you know, their responsibility is to create healthy organizations and look at the staff, how they're attracting, retaining and growing talent. But also, you know, workplaces that are unhappy, that have got high level of, of stress, aren't going to be conducive to good performance, productivity, reputation enhancement. So it's a business case to create environments that are healthy. Um, and so it's not surprising that actually people and leaders in the city were talking about the impact of stress amongst their peers um, within their teams. And it's a leadership issue. If you haven't got teams that are delivering you're not as a leader gonna you're not going to be sleeping at night because you've got to deliver so I think it's not surprising and then I you know I, w I was working with my 
mental health first aid hat on where we were driving mental health first aid it through the workplace because we got a lot of requests for manager training and actually how do we skill up organizations to be equipped um, to deal with early conversations and therefore prevent people's mental health and stress levels increasing. And in fact, I think our first biggest corporate client with mental health first aid were Unilever and EY six years ago. Um, And they came on board because they recognized that they needed to develop conversational skills and also address the stigma around mental health within their businesses. So we were rolling out mental health first aid and it was beginning to have an impact. I mean, it's had a huge impact since then um, because we're you know, mental health first aid is, is is everywhere in in lots of big businesses and SMEs up and down the country. Three hundred and fifty thousand people have been trained, but so I then came, uh, Nigel, um, and who's currently the chair of the City Mental Health Alliance. We met and we had a conversation around how do we have a mental health conversation in the city, and it was it was fantastic because it was a conversation that lots of leaders were open to having and they wanted to do something about it but they didn't know what to do about it so creating a network or a collaboration the alliance was really easy because it there were people that wanted to take the mental health agenda forward and the community the members of the city mental health alliance worked together to find solutions and sort of one final point on that is that it's really in an in a in a space so six years ago nobody was talking about mental health in the workplace as openly as we are now and i and i do think the cmha has played a significant role in in london to help create that conversation change um but we were innovating so it meant that we had to work together because there was no textbook that we could take off the shelf and go right this is what we do for mental health in the workplace, in big corporate organizations. So we were pioneering the change, which was really exciting. And six years on, we've got some excellent examples of great work going on in the city. And, you know, we're nowhere near done yet. Why, why do you think that it's taken, you know, so long for this to become uh, something that is on the radar and, and, you know, that people are talking about it now? As you said, it's only been sort of maybe the last decade yeah. Uh, that it's come out from under the shadows, you know, the taboos begin to be challenged. Why has it taken so long? Um, I, th- I think there's lots of, uh, th- so these are all my opinions, Anna. So I think there's lots of different reasons. I think the first, one of the, me- one of the big changes that has happened is storytelling. So I think, you know, we intellectually as a society, we knew that mental health issues were on the increase. We, the statistics speak for themselves. The data speaks for itself. But until you win over hearts as well as minds, change doesn't happen. And I think the winning over hearts is, is happened in the last six years where very senior people in the city and, and around the world have come forward and talked about their experience of mental health issues. And actually, we've started to address the stigma where we're looking at the whole spectrum of mental health from positive mental health. So how do we, what do we do to keep ourselves focused, well healthy, our minds healthy? And actually, what do we do? How do we recognize it 
it in ourselves when we're beginning to get poorly or beginning to get stressed and what do we do when we are unwell i mean we've we've and that doesn't i think i think the big change came when people stood up and went right this is my story i'm a successful father i've got a successful career but i've also been experiencing mental health issues since i was a student and this is how i manage it and mental illness is not synonymous with failure it's it's just a health condition and managed well I'm okay. So I think it's the storytelling and people in high profile positions coming forward and going, this is my experience. And actually, I'm a success. And my mental illness has got nothing to do with my performance as a as a parent, as a colleague, as a leader. I think that's been one of the big changes um, that has happened in the last six years in this country. Do you, I mean, do you think that the culture, uh, you know, that it's, it's essential to lead from the top like this to change the culture? When you've got stigma and discrimination that goes back hundreds of years. So if we rewind and look at mental illness just even 100 years ago, Anna, you know, we were locking people up forever. You know, uh, we weren't, people were in hospital for very long periods of time, institutionalized, because once you got labeled with a mental illness or one of the categories, you actually, you're, it was assumed that your life was over. Now, we've come a long way from that place. And so I think in order to create sustainable change, we need a multi-pronged approach. One of them is leadership. So developing leadership literacy. So boards need to understand the implications of poor mental health and stress on their business. Individuals that sit on the on the board need to understand their own mental health um, and therefore the impact they can have on their teams and their team's mental health and therefore the impact that that has on the business. And then you've got, so without that strategic leadership piece, it, things just get blocked. Things, you know, the change doesn't happen at the pace that you need to, it to happen. So an understanding at board level is absolutely critical. I also think at board level, you need to be measuring something. You know, it's all very well to say we take mental health and well-being seriously. But how do you know that change is happening within your business and your environment if you're not measuring something? So I always say, you know, it doesn't really matter what the number is that you're measuring, but you do need to have a set of metrics. And we at CMHA are helping create that, are helping create a board level dashboard and the things that you can measure. Because people always go, well, mental health, it's intangible. And I don't think that's true. I think it's very tangible. So I think board level engagement is critical. The second piece that's really critical is line manager training. You know, people managers, if you, it's, it, we, I think it's very, people managers have got, I think, one of the most complex jobs you know, they've, they're project managing, they're making things happen, they're looking after teams, and actually they need to be given the opportunity to, for training and development so that they can actually deliver on the work that they're doing. And 84% of managers believe that employee well-being is their responsibility, but I think only about 30 or 35% have ever received any training on wow. well-being and mental health. Yeah. So. 
when you've got a group of people who essentially care about people, so are in jobs to make things happen and take a team with them, and we're not skilling them up to have those conversations, you're only creating that. That for me is an area of tension where you're potentially um, setting people up to not be as successful. And so therefore, I think line manager training, skilling up the organization and the people that are most um, exposed to other people and working on relationships need to have a level of training and understanding on what is stress, what are the signs and symptoms, how do you have a conversation that is it's helpful and where do you signpost to because most of the organizations that we're working with have services like the employee assistant program, you know, have in-house counseling, so that there is a there's a whole load of services there to support staff, but often that's not articulated. So that also needs to be formed part of the culture. And then I think the third bit is creating a culture of openness. And the education piece, the boardroom piece lends itself are components that then create a healthy mental health culture within an organization. And I think Creating a culture of openness is about having campaigns. So you've got the Green Ribbon campaign, you've got the This Is Me campaign. Both initiatives came out of London and sit with the City of London Mayor's initiative. You've got Time to Change, you've got Take 10 Together. There's like a load of campaigns and quite a lot of them are workplace focused. So you need to create a communication strategy over 18 months to three years that repeatedly gives the message to all staff everywhere within your organization that you are positive about mental health as a business. And I think when the communication, the leadership and the skills development come together, that's when you get long-term sustainable change. And I think all three components are critical for that. So they're obviously matching the will that is there with the practical infrastructure um, to, to make, really make a difference and support workers. I mean, you talked about stress, and I think a lot of times, especially in the context of the workplace, when people talk about mental health in the workplace, they just think of stress. What other issues are we looking at in terms of workplace mental health? Um, so I think you've got common, you know, stress. So prolonged periods of stress is what then leads to more serious mental health issues developing like, uh, you know, anxiety, depression. Um, and then on the on the it was severe mental illness, you've got um, uh, psychosis, uh, bipolar. So but that's sort of one or two people in 100 that will actually get develop a severe mental illness. It's the common mental health issues. You know, it's when you don't deal with um, depression, anxiety, which, you know, stress is a factor that actually causes that. That's when you, we, that's the area that we want to focus on. And my experience of this, of the city is that we have got people that have got um, a diagnosis of some of the severe mental illness, particularly um, bipolar and personality disorder as well. Who, but actually that's, they're in the minority. And those, the individuals that I've come across that have got a severe mental illness are really good at um, looking after in themselves and they know Know what treatment they need they know how to manage their health to stay positive um, to stay well sorry um, 
but it's the it's the it's the common mental health issues where we seem to have a big problem because the awareness isn't necessarily there um you've got people that are in you know we have like you said right at the beginning long working hours culture high performance culture um incredibly competitive um culture all of those three things lend them if they all come together at the same time and then let's add something like life issues like i don't know a house move or a bereavement or um raising teenagers who are going through a difficult period you know if you add any one of those two or three things together plus the culture in some of the businesses in the city you've got you can see you know just common sense tells you that that's that's a combination for challenging times ahead and that's the p that's where we're trying to get into is getting businesses and organizations to recognize that actually if you catch it early you can do something about it and that might mean look you know there's a big piece of work going on and actually the team isn't fully resourced and so a few people are working extremely long hours and therefore heading towards burnout and as a business you need to actually take pay attention to that but as an individual you know if i'm not sleeping if my eating habits have changed am i if i'm irritable if there's all you know i need to know myself well enough to know when i might be actually moving into from stress to distress to poor my poor mental health um so so it's so, a, yeah, it's I, as much yeah. about empowerment as it is about support then is that is that fair to say yeah and i would say, i would say more than empowerment you know i've got responsibility for my to myself and my family for my health you know and i need to ensure that i'm as literate as i can be on it and and all on mental health and given how prevalent it is you know i've got a family with um with four young adults um and actually i need to be aware so that i can have conversations with them that you know mental health issues one in six people will experience it in the workplace one in four in 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 society that means that every single one of us is affected because somebody in our friendship group or our family will be experiencing a mental health issue so for me it's a life skill to be able to have a conversation and it's not about it's not about It, for me it's also you know i have a responsibility to myself and my family not just the workplace to have mental health literacy and a basic level of mental health literacy so that i can recognize and support and have conversations about it absolutely let me let me segue a little bit to ask you whether you think there are any differences in the way that men and women manifest um, manifest mental health problems uh, or deal with mental health and and if so how does that translate to the workplace um do you know that's that's a great question and for, so yes there is a marked difference in how mental health presents itself um in men and women so women are twice as likely i believe to experience anxiety and if you look at the suicide stats for 2013 um you've got 78% um were were men and 22% were women out of the 6233 suicide recorded that year so there are some differences and actually when you look at the data 
it's how we interpret them i think depends on our our background and our cultural norms etc but i in my experience um us women are better at talking about it amongst us i think we're better at sharing and reaching out um and so i think that helps in terms of being able to support each other i think the fact that men don't talk as openly about it and actually we raise men in our society to not cry not demonstrate emotions because that's perceived as weak i think that then doesn't that then isn't helpful when they're older in terms of how to reach out how to have a conversation and then you add the high performance culture of the city and you've got some significant issues there um i think there's there's some excellent work that um research that's been done um uh in the in the world of sort of women and mental health and hormones and you know we 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 are hormonally different to men and therefore but actually our you know our menstrual cycles that doesn't feature as part of the conversation because again it's like almost it's like a taboo thing we don't talk about the monthly cycle we don't talk about our lifetime cycle we don't talk about um the levels of hormones at different stages in the month for us and all of those things have an impact on anxiety and there's some amazing research that's coming out on this space how women need to we need to be more aware of our bodies and how we physically uh present and what might be going on behind the scenes for us i think the other thing that that i've heard um is is that if you look at gender and gender discrimination women grow up feeling less safe than men do so let me just you know bring it back to ourselves when i was little you know going out on my own after dark was really you know worrying and i i i my my youngest daughter's going to go clubbing for the first time next week she's oh. just turning <laughs> turning turning 18 and you know what when she told me i was just like <gasps> like that real <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, when did that happen? A when did you turn 18 and B what do you mean you're just telling me that you're going clubbing? But it really made me think about the questions that that we you were discussing now, which is isn't it interesting that I've had a completely different reaction to my daughter going out to my stepson who turned 18 a few months ago and mm. him going out. I didn't even think about it in the same way. Mm. So if we look at the way that we raise young people even though i would say that my family we've really sort of leveled on the whole men and women equality piece but i'm still i've still raised my girls with probably a bit more anxiety because of what i've projected onto them mm-hmm. and and so there's there's some really excellent research and narrative developing on how society raises girls and therefore could that be the explanation as to why we experience anxiety twice as more there's some interesting narrative around the our biology and how much of that we've ignored in in the mental health literacy development and actually how women need to really champion the fact that biologically we're very we're different to men and what are the implications of that and how we shouldn't necessarily be powering through that adapt 
expectations need to be made in our own mindsets for that. And then on the flip side, we've got, you know, men, we are not encouraging them to talk from an early age. How do we actually bring up men to feel like it's okay to not be okay and be emotionally literate? So I think there are a whole load of societal, cultural differences that are long term change that will come with generational change but it will only come with generational change if we start getting educated now mm-hmm. the many pieces in the puzzle i just want to come back to the hormonal um, aspect of mental health because i found this really interesting um because i think traditionally uh, you know using the words women and hormones in the same breath is a way of, you know, it's been a way of discriminating and invalidating experience a lot. And But as you say, it's important to add that into the factor that there are hormonal things that will affect a woman's mental health. I mean, are we going some way to dispelling the notion that somehow hormones are a woman's problem in inverted commas and, and, and having a decent conversation about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, the work that I was referring to was Dr. Dr. Bronwyn Grahams. And um, she, so she's a researcher that's been funded by um, MQ, um, a, a, a mental health research organization, to look into this. And I, I think women, the, the, the stigma associated with hormones and the fact that we've done that real all, oh, it's it's that time of the month or hormonal, you know, that's the term that I've I've heard used all the time, she's hormonal. Well, actually, we need to reclaim that. What mm. does that actually mean? Because, yeah, I may well be hormonal <laughs> and I'm not just pretending there is a biological difference or a change going on with me at this point in time, which means I've got more inflammation in my body, which then means that actually um, my body is reacting to stress differently. Do you know what I mean? So actually, we really need to get behind the science of what does being hormonal mean. And I don't think, I think it's an area of work that us women in the first instance, need to step into and reclaim as a scientific health understanding of our bodies that we articulate in a um, factual way. And we need to really own that space because I think women have by ignoring it and by sort of letting it go, we've probably not done ourselves a justice. You know, you know, I know that I've done it forever you know for years and years and years gone oh god it's just I'm just in that bad space and I'm hormonal or I'm emotional but there's usually there's a, there's reasons behind that we're biologically different so I, I completely agree with you that we need to do some work in that space where hormones isn't like mental health isn't a dirty word yeah. having being hormonal it shouldn't be a stigmatized bad thing it's a factual thing that we need to understand better so that we can be better with absolutely, it. Absolutely, and be supported and perform better. I mean, reclaim the hormones, I say, absolutely, because, you know, it, it is... <laughs> hashtag reclaim hashtag, the hormones. Exactly. <laughs> There's a whole new thing starting right now, everybody. <laughs> um, I mean, on that on that note, I mean, are we doing enough to, to normalise mental health in society just generally? I, and I know, you know, we haven't even talked about your personal story about how you became uh, passionate about this particular area. You, you know, and so my personal story is out 
out there. I've been talking about me for a while. But so I'm, I'm <laughs> for those who haven't known. I'm not going to go in there big time. But what I will say is workplace mental health is an area of personal um, driver and passion. And the reason for it was when I developed postnatal depression in my 20s, um, I work was the one place that I found solace in and mm. it was a place that creative structure it gave me financial health um, and it gave me something else to think about with expectations and a community and at the time I didn't really talk about my I guess well, nobody talked about mental health in the workplace full stop we just didn't it wasn't even a an awareness we didn't even know what we didn't know back then um so it wasn't like i was hiding it because i was worried it was we just it wasn't a conversation that we had but i i know for a fact that if i didn't have work in my life in my 20s back in back in that time i would be in a very different place and so therefore i genuinely feel that work can be good for us because it gives us purpose and purpose is something that all of us needs whatever that purpose might be um, and I guess that's why one of my drivers is workplace mental health you know if we can get workplaces to be health creating environments so the opposite of sickness you know let's come to work to be healthy and well um, if workplaces can become health creating environments my goodness I think it could unlock so much talent it could it would really address quite a lot of um, suffering, for want of a better word, um, that, you know, that we can come to work and feel good about who we are and our identity and feel connected to the people around us and feel like we're doing something that, that has meaning and purpose. All of those things are really great for our well-being. And that's why I'm passionate about it. It was alongside counselling and then later on coaching and then periodic periods of medication the one constant that has been in my life is is work and um yeah I don't know what my world would be like if I didn't have work, work and luckily yeah. I guess it, I then fell into um mental health and that's like doesn't even feel like a job it just feels great to be doing something that I'm so passionate about um but I and I hope the work that we're doing you're doing in changing the conversation, raising the awareness is going to lend itself to a slight change in society. I think for sure. I love the idea that the workplace can be part of the mental health solution rather than a, you know, sort of a place that you have to tackle. It could be a, a very big, well, is a very big uh, positive force when used in the right way. I mean, to, to sum up, I could talk to you all day about this. I think it's fascinating, but we've got to come to a close. So I'm just going to ask you one final question with two parts. Um, what makes a healthy workplace and what do business leaders need to do? What can they do right now to help if they're listening in now and they're thinking, right, that's a conversation I need to amplify in my own organization. What would you suggest? Okay. So what makes a healthy workplace? I think create a, a culture of openness is what creates a healthy workplace. So actually the test for me would be to that anybody should be able to ask anybody, how are you? And actually get an answer that is beyond yeah I'm fine you know how are you really and people to share actually I'm you know this is what's happened these are the things that are worrying me at the moment and this is this is me 
Uh, so I think I think creating a culture of openness where we can talk about our health issues and in particularly our mental health issues is a really great workplace culture. Um, and then what can business leaders do right now? I think if you're in a if you're a leader in a business and you you haven't asked the question how are our people and what data are we collecting to see what the staff engagement is and have we got a health and well-being strategy because without that we're not going to be able to attract retain and grow talent then i think that's what you need to be doing so business leaders need to start asking questions around mental health and well-being the data that sits underneath it and how are the biz the business what is the business doing to promote uh change and understanding how their people are I mean how you know you can't run a business if you don't know where your people are at and people are your greatest talent so and learn 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 um yeah learn that learn how your biz people are in your business fantastic poppy jaman thank you for talking to us today you're very welcome thank you very much for um, having me here and thank you all for joining us as well on this every woman podcast and we look forward to continuing the conversation with you next time don't forget in the meantime there's a wealth of information interest and further talking points on the everyone network and app if you want to access on the move so until we meet again have a great day and keep on living your best life <laughs>